You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 350 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's program, we have a regular contributor, executive committee member of the State Democratic Party of Pennsylvania, chair of the Pennsylvania State Progressive Caucus, union organizer, and our resident politico, Dwayne Heisler. Dwayne and I reflect on the 2019 political and societal scene in the United States of America. We discuss unions, overcoming divisive societal issues. We look ahead to 2020 with some hopes and predictions. It's a grand conversation with our resident politico, Dwayne Heisler. We have an EW conundrum essay titled New Year and an excerpt from The Art of Power by Vietnamese Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh and a poem called Sky. And of course, as is always the case, all of this will be imbued, infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It's so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 350 of Troubadours and Tours. Thank you. 
The might by which I might seems to always take flight when it is time to summon courage to face the fight. Am I a coward who is so weak he prefers to be dour instead of one who compassionately flowers the means used to reach more wise the end of this duplicitous journey of dualistic roof builders and wall seekers? While this psyche of mine is further twisted, empty of beautiful thought, and hung out to dry next to my once love-filled heart, now both empty and working in tandem, soulless, toward an earthly, dirt and straw-made man of selfish semblance, supposed to be power, security, with high esteem and accolades, just like I always have dreamed, Ever since my adolescent years on the face of this planet, I have schemed, walking on the pathways of handcrafted granite, cut through the trees with the song of the birds and the hum of the bees. But my desire to be alive, to strive toward that egg, made me a zygote. And I have grown into this feckless, arrogant, fearful man, whining like a billy goat, who wants so badly to be grand, yet can barely muster the energy to lend a helping hand, as if my sensibilities as a normal human can. Damn, I am a sham, my life nothing but a two-bit scam. Forgive me. This I shall not let stand. I have a new plan. Never meant to be you, never meant to be me, never meant to be us. Never meant for you to love, never meant for you to try. So I'll take my time next time And I'll do it right And I'll take my time next time Only with grace I'll make you a flood in my Only with grace I'll take all the words that you said When you brought it back from the
Dwayne Heisler, is that you? Yes, this is he. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm fine as well. It's nice to have you back on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Dwayne is an activist. He's uh, the chair of the Pennsylvania State Progressive Caucus and uh, a union organizer, as well as our resident politico. It's, uh, it's at the end of the year, and we're going to be talking to, in the beginning of a new one, we're going to be talking with Dwayne about, oh, politics, I suppose, society, and we'll see where that takes us. And uh, you ready? You ready for the new year? Um, I think I'm getting there. I can see plenty of people getting ready for it. That's for sure. Um, I've seen so much movement, um, within unions and, um, as chair of the progressive caucus, but I'm also on the executive committee for the state democratic party too. So I've been seeing all kinds of preparations for this huge year for 2020 and, um, has me really excited actually. Yeah. A lot of responsibility you have, Dwayne. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's just working together with everyone else is, is all it is. And it's I really enjoy the perspective that I have because of being so involved with um, with the unions and then also in the progressive world, but also as as a state Democratic committee person too, uh, being able to kind of see all three of those and how they they end up coming together. And um, I've seen more of that happening in the in the fall this fall our fall and winter beginning of winter here than i've than i've ever seen well when you're um looking at 2019 and you reflect especially given the fact that you're you know you're in the thick of things you know you're in the field a lot of the times but you also are sitting down and talking with the governor and you know leaders in the uh, democratic party i'm sure the republican party as well in the state of pennsylvania what what do you what do you think what what are the tendencies and the trends here in pennsylvania and nationally pol- pol- politically speaking well um there's there's a lot to unpack there um i would say that one thing that i've noticed is how critical pennsylvania is and not only pennsylvania but northeast pennsylvania which is where i do the bulk of my work um i think there have been incredible studies that have been done specifically in uh luzerne and lackawanna counties i'm looking back at 2016 looking at what happened in 2018 and um and the trends that we're seeing in Northeast Pennsylvania and how how critical this region is uh, for for um, just uh, moving forward in terms of the uh, Democratic Party, progressive movement, um, uh, uh, unions, uh, just just all of it. And um, I really feel like it like it is ground zero. And let me tell you, uh, I just read an article too. Um, I think it was in the New York Times about how um, our state uh, races are getting um, you know a huge spotlight now because it's also when we elect these officials this time around, they're the people that are going to draw the lines uh for the legislature which means control of the state and uh so i mean i don't know if there's any more you can pile on to pennsylvania than what is on it right now as a as a swing state and and um and and how critical uh the vote is here and you can all you have to do is follow the money i guess because i see tons of it going to be coming into the state 
Would you uh, would you say that the Democratic uh, movement or party in in this uh, part of the country is is getting more progressive? Uh, you know, given the fact that when you look at our Democratic nominees for president, that seems to be the crux of of you know the the concern or the argument as to which would be best. You know, do we go with a progressive candidate? Do we go with a more moderate candidate? How, how does it how does it look uh, here in in this part of the country? That's a really great question, and um, I, I don't know that anyone really has the answer there. Um, anything that I say is probably going to be more anecdotal than anything else. Um, but what I can say is that it seems to me that what I'm seeing, Lawrence, is the the lines seem to be blurring a little bit. Um, and I think part of it is, um, you know, you have obviously the presidential race and all these um, uh, debates that we've seen. And we've uh, we've seen the field narrow a little bit. Um, most of us would like to see it narrowed more than what it is right now. But I think that the, the differences are really, um, um, I think, for, for the average person, person on the ground who you know is, is hardworking and, and you know can lift their heads up occasionally to see what's happening politically doesn't still see much difference between them um, which is in one respect kind of sad but in the other one is kind of in a way unifying uh, and I think that there's a lot of organizations out there that are trying to bring that unity even though we haven't even decided who our presidential candidate's going to be and and some of those unifying things are happening maybe more so on a state level like around changing the minimum wage in Pennsylvania which um is is still you know at the federal minimum wage you know which is not a livable wage at 725 an hour or um and 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 so, or or other issues like healthcare and having affordable healthcare. We've had um, some hospitals closing in local communities and threats like that. And so, I, what I'm, it's it's really hard to explain. But what I'm, I guess, what I'm seeing is that I'm seeing unity happen, even though other people from outside the state and other uh, um, political people are still trying to say, well, are you more progressive or you're not? And it and it and it and it seems to be a false choice in some respect for what people are feeling on the ground. Did that make sense? Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, no, it did. It did. I'm going to narrow it down a bit. I think you, you touched on it already uh, to a certain extent. You know, what do you believe is driving uh, the, the choices that voters are going to make eventually when, when they get to the voting booth? I mean, are they the divisive uh, societal issues? Or are they more, you know, the practical, pragmatic issues that, that uh, you know, families and individuals uh, have to deal with? I think that it's really around social and economic issues. Um, I think that when it, at the end of the day, that that's what it comes down to. Uh, people work hard. Many people have multiple jobs in order to keep you know, the, the food, you know, on the plate and, and their families in good health. And, and I, and I think that when it comes down to that, that's, that's what people are striving for and what they, what breaks through all of this is, um, I think it's, it's those everyday issues and, and, uh, People who are able to speak directly to those um, are making headway regardless of party, regardless of ideology, regardless of, uh, dare I say, even religion. Um, if you can break through that to what 
you know, and, and, and what it comes down to is a, a good paying job and fairness, um, uh, not only in the workplace, but in society in general. Well, when you look at a lot of the folks, you mentioned uh, how important Pennsylvania is, and in particular, northeastern Pennsylvania, and, and the Rust Belt states that pretty much gave the Electoral College win to number 45. Uh, often, it seems those folks when you look at them socioeconomically, they are not in the same category as the Republican Party, as, as 45. Yet they support those folks because of the divisive issues, you know, the Me Too movement, the LGBTQ, the immigration issues that, that uh, you know, are, are, I guess, prescient to a certain extent, though I, I also believe very much overblown uh, to, to divide us. Are we going to get beyond that, in in your view, given again your your firsthand experience in the field? Well, that's that's really a great question, and um, I guess time will really tell. Um, but I've seen pieces of this moving together, specifically in Northeast PA. One thing I'd like to maybe lift up is is um, you know I I started working for a union a few years ago for SCIU. I was on their state council, and now I'm with Healthcare uh, PA. Uh, and um, one thing that I've seen happen, which is uh, being pushed on a national level, which makes a lot of sense, and I've seen this as a unifying force. That's what we're talking about. Like, how do people unify? How do they come together? I was under the impression, it was kind of strange that, like, unions, like, it's called a union, like, they all work together. And uh, when I mentioned that, I kind of got laughed at a few times because there's a lot of divisiveness in any industry, in any uh, movement, in any kind of thing. And I don't know why I thought unions were different. Um, but they're not, and there was a lot of divisiveness. And there is this movement now that I see really gaining momentum. And I'll give you a specific example of it. And this is how people are coming together, at least uh, people who are unions. It's it's called Unions for All. And this is um, uh, a national push. Uh, SEIU and other unions have come together with basically kind of um, four, like a resolution of, of which contains four things that we think everyday Americans relate to. And and the first one of those elements, and let me tell you, this recently passed unanimously in the Greater Wilkes-Barre Labor Council, which is all of Luzerne County, which is what we're talking about. Like that's the heart of, of, of NEPA, of Northeast PA, where, where a lot of people say the election was won or lost in there. And also in um, the Greater Scranton uh, Labor Council, it passed unanimously there as well. And we're seeing this happen in different labor councils uh, throughout the state, at least it being introduced and debated, but it was unanimous in those two. That basically says that everyone in America should be guaranteed access to quality, affordable health care and long-term care, and that those jobs in healthcare should be good paying jobs. It should be good union jobs. We should be on a path to universal health coverage and that we should invest in Medicare, Medicaid, long-term care, the Affordable Care Act, whatever it takes to get us there. So that's like the first part of it. And I think most people out there would agree we should have affordable quality health care. Secondly, um, is the idea that America should be a welcome, safe, and, and a free place. That's what America is about, being welcoming, being safe, and being free. And that includes immigrant families. Um, we shouldn't be separating them. We should be um, helping to extend relief to temporary protected uh, status holders and taking care of the dreamers. We should have a clear path to citizenship. And this is something that is a core value of our nation. America was founded in immigrants. That's a core value and embracing that core value of who we are. 
The third, and there's only four, is that we need to take some kind of like immediate and bold action on climate change. We have to hold those who polluted accountable, large corporations who have done that. But in the process, and this is really important, that it should create good paying jobs, good paying union jobs. It's not just a transition um, into a cleaner environment and a, a cleaner economy, but we can't leave working families and um, any workers uh, or any communities behind in that transition. And finally, number four is that uh, unions for all means that every person uh, out there should be uh, earning a livable wage. We should be at, at least $15 an hour. And anyone who wants to join a union, regardless of where they work, should be allowed to do that. So these are the four things in this union for all kind of package that, that these labor unions are buying into. And what is really exciting is with the progressive groups that I'm talking with, they're all on board with this as well. Like it makes sense that everyone should have health care, that everyone should be, feel welcome and safe, that we, we need to be responsible for uh, pollution and to make sure we have good jobs coming out of it. We need good jobs in Northeast Pennsylvania. Is there anywhere in the country that doesn't? And that, these, and that, and that we should be able to organize as unions and make sure that, um, that we have all the protections and the benefits that come along with being a union. Uh, this is what I'm talking about. Like the, the union stepping forward and doing this kind of thing is it can have a, uh, a unifying effect in a place like Northeast PA because everyday people can get behind it. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I mean, it, it, very idealistic, uh, but pragmatic at the same time. The, the thing, though, that keeps coming up uh, as I see it when I hear these discussions occur is, again, it goes back to those divisive uh, issues. And I, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate. When people sure. hear, hear about uh, the climate change um, uh, ideas, you know, uh, curbing fossil fuel use and things of that nature. The first thing they say is th those are job killing. Those aren't realistic. You know, uh, it, it's all a bunch of uh, liberals trying to uh, assert unrealistic plans on, on us. How, how do you respond to, to that? Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because the people who are saying that are the people that want to stuck in the same economy because they're the ones who are profiting from it. So you can either buy into that or you can be inspired to have something different. And there are models of this happening all over the planet, all over the globe. A lot of our uh, our neighbors in this in this world are doing it. You know, the fact is, is that when they say it's unrealistic, how unrealistic is it if other countries are doing it? How re unrealistic is it to uh, to expect to have to create jobs when you're creating a new economy that's clean? It doesn't take that much creativity to think about how, you know, why in the world can't people be making windmills in Northeast PA or helping with geothermal or helping with all the other possible energy sources that we can in Northeast PA? That means jobs. It absolutely means jobs, and it terrifies the hell out of people who are in the dirty environment industry and having to change. That's the reason why. This is all very doable. It's been done before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm with you on that. I, uh, though, again, now let's talk about the um, almost impervious mindsets that exist for a number of reasons, I suppose, uh, that uh, we, we have in government, local, state, federal, uh, 
that are are predominantly within the Republican Party. They put up barriers whenever you, as a movement, whether it be political or social, uh, try to put forward, push forward these ideas that you're talking about. How how, how do we combat that? How do we not get discouraged by someone like a Mitch McConnell, for example? Oh, oh God. (laughs) Well, it's hard not to be discouraged by a Mitch McConnell. I mean, (laughs) seriously. You know, the fact is, is that there are are real things that, 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 um, that keep people down. And one of those is fear. I mean, it's all about fear and people being afraid. People are afraid of change. Uh, People are are held in place based upon their fears. And the answer to that, Lawrence, is inspiration. The answer to it is maybe some humor. The answer to it is actually having faith, uh, and it, which is very ironic, by the way, having <laughs> faith, um, you know, in, in that, that a world can be a better place and we can have better paying jobs and we can have a cleaner environment. And we have examples of it all around. And they don't want you to hear anything else. They don't want you to see anything else because if you take a moment and lift your head and look at the world, you can actually see that these are real possibilities. There are uh, economies out there who are that are doing this and are leading the way and it's not the United States of America that much is clear um, but there are examples of it within the US of, of bold initiatives that have taken place and 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 people can move forward every now you know years ago where I'm in Northeast PA I drive um, I'm, I'm in Columbia County and driving just south towards Schuylkill County these are very poor counties up here I see that there are windmills that are up on the tops of the mountains That gives me hope, you know, when I see that they're actually generating power in that way Uh, because it's very windy here. And it's, it's, you know, and sometimes, yes, the wind doesn't blow. (laughs) That's why we have things called batteries and why we're working on those technologies and and uh, and and why it needs to be a, a, a kind of a network of different technologies that help to move us forward. So, you know what, um, it's easy to be depressed, if, and especially if that's all you listen to. If you have a steady diet of, a diet of Mitch McConnell, um, the best thing I can recommend is going on a different diet uh, uh, because that's not going to get you anywhere. That's going to get you just deeper and deeper into misery and into hopelessness. It's called learned helplessness. Learned helplessness is the elephant as a baby that has a rope tied around its, its, its ankle and is pinned to a wooden stake and it learns that it can't move. Well, as it grows up, it stops trying. And soon it's a giant elephant, but as long as that little rope is around its knee, it's learned that it can't do anything. That's Mitch McConnell. He's the rope. Whoa, that was good. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. I like that. Dwayne Heisler here on the program. He is our resident politico. He's the exec, an executive committee member of the Pennsylvania State Democratic Party, the chair of the Pennsylvania State Progressive Caucus, a union organizer. And... Um, uh, I would I would uh, add to that uh, someone who really believes in the human spirit. It seems to me, you know, uh, when you're down there and t- fighting these fights to get people elected and to help folks organize uh, as as un- as a union uh, group, it must be challenging sometimes uh, to keep mm-hmm. to keep your positivity and to to combat all the negativity. I mean, how how do you do it? How do you how do you not get overwhelmed and and totally exhausted? 
I'm inspired by people. It's amazing to me. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't, there are, I mean, obviously there are times where things are, are major setbacks and I, I'm disappointed in maybe outcomes of something or, or, or how things could be. You know what? I, I kind of think of it this way. Like uh, every bride has a vision of what their wedding is going to look like. And I guarantee you that none of those actually come true. Like it never looks quite like that. Sometimes it's actually better. Uh, but but it, it never quite works out that way. But I'll tell you, as long as you have that vision, it, it kind of moves in that direction. And that's what I see. And I think that that's what really helps me to keep going. I was meeting with a small group of people for a coffee up in Williamsport on my way to see a bunch of progressives up in Wellsboro, up in the northern part of the state. And um, uh, we were going there for a meeting and kind of a brainstorming session. And while I was meeting with these, uh, it was just... What was it? Four, five. There were like six of us in this small little cafe restaurant having some some breakfast, and um, I was talking about a campaign around a hospital and and basically a, a, a nonprofit who was not acting like a nonprofit and how they were taking advantage of the community. And the one young guy, he's a computer guy at a local technology school who is newly involved in the movement, said to me, "Well, what do you really hope can happen?" And I looked at him dead in the eye, and I was like, you know, if the commissioners and the and the and the the county actually assert the power that they have, they can just tell them no. They can just tell them no. And then a few weeks later, it actually happened, and I was shocked because <laughs> I mean, I worked on it, you know, and we got people to show up at the hearing, and we worked on it, they worked on it, but at the end of the day, they just told them no. And I was, and what really gave me hope was going. I remember hearing that young guy asking me, well, what can you really hope to do? That hopelessness, that learned helplessness, right? And so I contacted him and I said, hey, look what happened. And he's like, oh my God. And now he has a friend of his coming along and now he's definitely on board seeing that you can actually create change if you stand up and you stand up as a community, you stand up for yourselves and say, you know what, this is just not right. Wonderful. You know, you're right. I mean, we have to connect with one another and share the good stories and motivate you know, it is a it is a collective uh, effort. It can't you can't do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I commend you for for being a catalyst for building bridges. It's really important work. Um, now I, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, look ahead into twenty twenty. Maybe some share some hopes and predictions. <laughs> yeah, that's always really tough. Uh, and um, you know, I'm I, I get asked this a lot. Um, because of, you know, the, the different hats that I wear, like, what do I think and who do I see and what do I see emerging? And, um, I really don't know. I don't know. And, you know, this uncertainty, I know, um, maybe frightens some people and maybe, maybe the uncertainty maybe forces them into a choice. There always seems to be this, this, um, and this happens every, every year with elections and, and, um, is the is the kind of the, the tension that's between electability and your your favorite choice? I was I was in a in a cab in Austin, Texas, and uh, someone had asked me about a presidential race. And this was years ago, over a decade ago, and I said who my choice was, and they turned around and said to me, "Well, that's not the person who's going to win. Why are you voting for them?" As if it was a horse race or something like that. And I looked. I was like, "I'm voting for them because that's who I want." And uh, do you get that? Like, and um, and and it was as if um, I'd thrown ice water on him. He couldn't believe. 
believe that that's what he goes. I have people coming in and out of my cab all day and they're just telling me, you know, like, like who, who's going to win and, and who they, so I, I think, um, yeah, you asked me for predictions. It's really tough. I, I don't know that I really have anything to give there, but what I want to say is that I'm hopeful because I think we have a lot of good candidates. Um, I'm hopeful because I see maybe things coming together um, on the ground of people who want to support these good candidates, regardless of, of who they might be. Um, I'm 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 inspired by the discussion that we're having and the fact that we just didn't arrive at at someone very quickly that that kind of is telling in a way i think that we are perhaps taking the time that we didn't take when we um elected a demagogue um you know to to be our our president um and i'm just wondering if if um uh if, if this tension that we're feeling is going to allow us to be even more creative and more passionate about where we finally arrive. And you're talking about the, the presidential uh, uh, position, I suppose, mainly. Yes, when I'm talking about that now on a state level, um, let me say that what I'm seeing is I'm seeing multiplier effects happen. So I am seeing movement in um, critical areas for the presidential election, but they also happen to be critical areas for state races, which are happening. Um, and so I'm seeing a lot of uh, strategic uh, looking at capacity and building capacity in certain areas um, election-wise that are going to be key races so that, um, so that the down-ballot vote you know, will make a difference. And Pennsylvania, by the way, just changed its rules about um, about elections, about um, basically doing mail-in um, ballots with no excuse. In Pennsylvania, you can't, um, you weren't able to, you, you have to have actually an excuse, like a medical excuse, or, or a, you would have to apply, like you're not going to be in town to vote. You just couldn't do it because that's the way you, you wanted to do it. But now we can do that. Um, they've also shortened the window for, uh, for uh, registering to vote. You had to do it 30 days before. Now it's like two weeks. Um, there's been other provisions too that make, um, make it more, uh, makes it easier. We also have done away with the straight ballot uh, voting, which might hurt us, especially in urban areas. Um, and so this is kind of going into the thinking too about how do we, I think that the, that the team that best organizes around these new changes is going to have a real edge in this election coming up. And I see those things happening, um, on, on the uh, democratic side. Um, so in cities, it's going to be a challenge because people are used to like going in over their lunch break and being able to get in line and vote. And that's usually a pretty quick thing if they're voting straight party, but now you're not going to be able to do that. And so that might hurt the down ballot vote and maybe the lines will be longer and you can't do it over lunch. Or are you going to be able to get there, you know, later to vote? And so a lot of this is like education. So I, um, I feel optimistic because I see organi organizing happening on the ground at this point for a year from now. And, um, or just less 11 months from now. Um, and, 
that has me a little bit more hopeful for these state races too, because I see that there's they're being very thoughtful in terms of where they're building capacity and and where they're looking and uh, kind of the multiplier effect of not only the national but your state races too. Do you think that's going to translate across uh, the continent and have a, a, a nice blue wave effect? <laughs> uh, I I can't speak to across the continent, but I, I'll tell you what, I can't imagine in the what, what you described as the Rust Belt states that the, these things are, are not happening there as well. Um, I can report firsthand that they are happening in Pennsylvania and they're happening right in Northeast PA where I'm working because I, I see those pieces coming together. And that's uh, that's giving me some hope. Now, um, let me also say that I'm in the middle of uh, Trump you know, flag flying America. Um, the other day I was dropping off a friend to have his car taken care of because it broke down. And when I pulled up, there were two giant uh, flagpoles on either side with big Trump flags on them. Um, and then as I pulled up, there was another little area that was set up um, that had like even um, well, there, there were flags everywhere. Let's just leave it at that. And, um, and, and these reminders are, are still around and you still see bumper stickers. There was a recently a protest up in Wilkes-Barre at Congressman Cartwright's office um, because of the way he voted on impeachment. But then there was a group of about the same size of anti-protesters on the opposite corner of the street, you know, saying we support, you know, the congressman's decision to vote to impeach. Um, and, and so the tensions are here. Um, uh, and what we have to do is just cut through that. I see the organizing work being done on the ground to help to cut through that. Excellent. Thank you for sharing your insight, Dwayne Heisler, Executive Committee member of the State Democratic Party in Pennsylvania, chair of the Pennsylvania State Progressive Caucus, union organizer, all-around great guy. I wish you the best this holiday season. And in 2020, I look forward to talking with you again. Thank you. Thank you. And um, you do, I love this podcast. You do such great work here, and I'm always happy to contribute any way that I can. Oh, thank you, Dwayne. Take care of yourself. Yep. Bye.
that we did not plan We bought it on the ships To a promised land From the time we hide together To the lonesome catacomb We know walking on our own And it's a long way home Well it's a long, long way from home I'm just alone Zen Buddhist monk from Vietnam, Thich Nhat Hanh's The Art of Power, an excerpt. The Five Spiritual Powers What most people call power, Buddhists call cravings. The five cravings are for wealth, fame, sex, fancy food, and lots of sleep. In Buddhism, we speak of the five true powers, five kinds of energy. The five powers are faith, diligence, mindfulness, concentration, and insight. The five powers are the foundation of real happiness. They are based on concrete practices you will learn as you move down the path, so to speak. The power of faith. The first source of energy is faith. When you have the energy of faith in you, you are strong. In the gospel, Jesus said that people with faith could move mountains. But the word faith is better translated as confidence and trust because it is about something inside you and not directed towards something external. The Zen patriarch Lin Chi used to say to students, quote, you who don't have enough confidence in yourself, you go around seeking these things outside. You need to have confidence that you have the capacity to become a Buddha, the capacity of transformation and healing." Unquote. Faith is having a path that leads you to freedom, liberation, and the transformation of afflictions. If you have seen the path, if you have a path to go on, you have power. Those who have no path wander around. They suffer. They don't know where to go, you have been searching for a path, and now you have found a path. You have seen the way. If you have some experiences that this path leads in a good direction, you will have faith in your path. You are very happy that you have a path, and thus you begin to have power. This power will not destroy you or the other people around you. In fact, it gives you strength and energy that other people can feel. When you have faith, your eyes are bright and your steps are confident. This is power. You can generate this kind of power every moment of your daily life. It will bring you a lot of happiness. If you use a method of practice and find it effective, if it brings you mindfulness, concentration, and joy, then faith and confidence are born from this. 
not from something other people tell you. This is faith and confidence, not only in ideas, but in the concrete results of your practice. When you successfully practice mindful breathing, you feel light, solid, free, and confidence is born from this kind of experience. This is not superstition. It is not relying on someone outside yourself. The energy of faith can bring you a lot of happiness. If you don't have faith, if you don't have this energy of confidence, you suffer. If we look carefully, we can see that the energy of awakening, compassion, and understanding is already there inside us. Recognizing these energies as an inherent part of your very being, you have confidence in these energies. And if you know how to practice, you can generate these energies to protect yourself and to succeed in what you want to do.
sky. Sun, moon, mountain sky plume, bush, rock, fish, wagon wheel, water, crotch, thighs, beautiful backsides, adult lullabies. And deeply until you are so deep you disappear because you had your fill and lost your fear. Is this not the way to truly be real? And then you are gone, beyond these limited deals. Nirvana is not the mansion that touches sky. It all makes me sit still and wish I could cry. slowly though I beg it to last I just want to be here with you that's all I ask and this could be the end of everything outside our walls and empires could fall away in cities raised and I know I'd only want to fall in love with you only wanna fall in love with you Time won't go slowly though Always so fast You are the answer to Every question I've asked And this could be the end of everything outside our walls and empires could fall away in cities raised And I know I'd only want to fall in love with you Only want to fall in love with you We need more time But there's a little part of me that loves it when we rush Can I go home? Knowing that I'll never feel how to now Time won't go slowly though I beg it to lie I just want to be here with you That's all I ask And this could be the end of everything outside our walls And empires could fall away in cities raised And I know I'd only want to fall in love with you Only want to fall in love with you We need Can I hold?
And there you have it, episode 350 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our regular contributor, Dwayne Heisler, the Vietnamese monk, Thichnat Han. And these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, the Rhythm Magic Orchestra, Vagabond, Duran Jones and the Indications, Hand Habits, Snow Patrol, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard too. It's so nice to be with you. Until next time. Let's give it a go and try to enjoy this time. Happy New Year.